Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com We hope you enjoy this message. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, we're going to read from verse 25. Look at this. You there, say I. If you're not there, say oh. So, are you in Matthew 6, verse 25? Say I. Okay. The title of my message for you today is... Um, Mighty warrior. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus said, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? Uh, and by the way, that's not, that's not a trick question. And the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Or a single centimeter to his height? And... Verse 28, why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, Jesus said, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Are you a worrier? And uh, if you are a worrier, are you now slightly worried that you're a worrier? If I said I want to spend the next half an hour talking about anxiety, would that make you a little anxious? 
I want to talk to you about worry. Everyone worries. Uh, perhaps apart from those who have died. But for as long as people are living and breathing, we tend to worry about things or be concerned about things. And here comes, right in the New Testament, the words of Jesus, perhaps amongst the most difficult commandments of all to keep. Most of us can somehow avoid stealing things. Most of us. And if not, let's have a word afterwards. Uh, most of us can somehow avoid committing adultery or murdering people. But there aren't, won't be too many people in this room who didn't have some time this week when they worried about something. And uh, I'm not particularly um, comparing those things in some sort of moral scale. What I'm saying is this could well be one of the most difficult things that God requires of you, that you would not worry. And uh, so I want to talk to you for a little bit today about what really is the source of worry from this text. And maybe the Holy Spirit will, will help you. But maybe before I begin, let me, let me just as a kind of a side thought say this. Um, in a room as large as this and people watching on the internet in various places, um, there will be those who, who struggle with anxiety at a more medical, uh, under the care of the GP uh, level. Those who worry and get depressed and have anxiety uh, at, a, at a more medical level. And uh, I, want to, uh, I want to commend everyone who, who struggles like that, for all who have just battled through and even are sitting in church um, today. Um, and, uh, and some of what I say will be uh, helpful even to people who have, have the heroic task of carrying burdens that are too heavy for them. That's really what anxiety is, isn't it? Um, uh, and so some of this will be helpful to you, but I just want you to know that I appreciate that what we're really talking about here today is just the humdrum normal worries um, of life. Uh, and uh, so I want to say that I'm not minimizing uh, the issues of more medical types of anxiety that I know are more and more common. Can you say amen? Okay, so number one, what is the problem when it comes to worry? I want to suggest to you, number one, the first problem is this, delay. Delay. Look at verse 34. Do not worry, Jesus said, about tomorrow. You see, worry is sort of about the future. Anything that you face right now, that's called trouble in the text, isn't it? So don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Guess what? No matter what your mental capacity, whether you like confrontation, whether you run away from confrontation, or whether you're like me, somewhere in the middle of those things, like most of us. You can actually handle trouble. 
trouble is fine. I mean, it may not be fun, but it's, but it's sort of fine because if you're in the middle of trouble, you have to deal with it. Capacity arises and you sort it. You might be upset later, you might be upset at the time, but you handle it. Everyone know what I mean? But worry, woo! Worry is trouble that you haven't arrived at yet. And it may not be so troublesome, of course. But, but anyway, aside from that, worry is the trouble that you haven't arrived at yet. And it seems as though one of the ways to deal with worry is to have trouble as soon as we can. It's in the Bible. You say, Jesus, do you want me to have trouble? Yes, every day it seems. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That, I don't remember us singing that earlier. But that's in the Bible. Uh, a few weeks ago, I better be careful because I know I'm being filmed and I've got to be careful what I say. Uh, so I received a phone call from a person that I just cannot name for legal reasons. Anyway, um, and largely for Vivo reasons or Mevo, whatever it is. And um, anyway, I, I remember it was, it was an evening and my phone went and of course, in these new wonderful days, you know who's ringing you, don't you, most times. Whereas before, you had to use the gifts of the Spirit to know who's ringing me. Well, uh, you know, many of us walked around with the number 1471 going on. in our, Now we don't really do that too much. So I see the phone ringing and I see who it is. And as much as it'll do to tell you is that it was a relative. A relative who never rings me unless he wants to have some trouble with me. I know none of you have got anyone like that. But he never rings me unless he wants something. Or, or there's going to be some trouble. And so, so there I, you know, I, see, I see the number. I think, oh boy. And I decide, uh, shall I answer it or not? Shall I or not? Oh, it's ringing away, ringing away. Oh, shall I? Shall I or not? Shall I? Oh, I don't know. Shall I? Shall I? I go to the loo, come back. Shall I? I don't know. Shall I? Rings off. Oh, no. Uh, it's just uh, too late. He's, he's rung off. I can't answer it. I'm watching anything on the TV at the moment. And then I wait for the voicemail. There isn't one. My anxiety is rising now. And, and the kind of person he is, I know I can't ring him in the day. I've already pretended I'm not free this evening. Uh, so I can't ring him back now. And I think I need to ring him back tomorrow. And I need to ring him back tomorrow after 6 o'clock. So what do I do? That's ruined my evening. That's ruined my day. If only I'd had trouble at 8 o'clock on Tuesday 
it wouldn't have ruined every hour that God sent me on Wednesday. Everyone understand? Now, just can I ask you this? Some of the things you're worrying about today, how many of these things that you're worrying about, because all of them really are somewhat pertaining to the future. No doubt you'll come and tell me over coffee, well, there's a few exceptions, and I accept that. But most things to do with worry are to do with, I wonder what's going to happen when. They're not about now. They're about tomorrow. In fact, worry is the interest you're paying on the problem you haven't got yet. And you may not have at all. Right? And uh, so, so I just, I guess what I ask you today, when it comes to worry, this is what Jesus, um, t- it's not Oprah Winfrey. This is not Piers Morgan. This, this Jesus is saying this. That in fact, trouble is fine, but worry will destroy you. You'll cope with, oh, and by the way, you, you want the happy ending when I phoned him? It was no trouble at all. I wish it was. Then it would have been worth all that worry that I poured into it all day. Don't worry, there'll be another opportunity. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Don't worry at all. Just ask you this. How much of the angst in your life is to do with you putting off problems? Putting off conversations? Putting off, you know, an argument? Putting off a conversation? Putting off all manner of things? Putting off going to the doctor? Right? There's a whole group of people who never go to the doctor, you know. They're called men. Whenever I go to the GP, I feel like I've just rejoined women aglow. There are no men there. The only men there are the doctors. Putting off things. I want to ask you this today. Have you ever thought about the fact that maybe you wouldn't worry so much if only you could confront the problem. Now, now please, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be responsible for huge punch-ups in the coffee room at the end of this service. So, you know, I, I'm not... But, but where you can have trouble, please have it. Everyone understand? Because when you worry, you're killing yourself. You're destroying yourself. You're paying a colossal amount of interest on the problem that you haven't got yet. Pay whatever price you need to pay for trouble. But don't pay for the delay. So so you see, number one, what causes worry? What's the issue? The issue, Jesus says, one of the issues is delay. Delay. I would imagine if I was very nervous about flying, the issue of flying would be absolutely an anxiety while sat on the plane. But just as much of an anxiety, if not even more, sat in the departure lounge. And even more so if it's Monarch Airlines. Problem solved there. But what I mean is this. How many of you are sitting in a departure lounge? Worrying about a flight that's never going to take off. So I want to encourage you. Don't worry. Have trouble. 
Remember that phrase, don't worry, be happy? That's not what we say at Junction 28. We say, don't worry, have trouble. Yeah, that's a good bit of evangelism for you. What a great church. Number two. I've got four of these. Number two. A second problem Jesus seems to identify when it comes to worry is this. Now, you'll think this is a strange one. Well, you'll think all this is strange, of course. But number two is this. Atheism. Atheism. Say, well, uh, uh, what do you mean? Well, look, look what he says. He says to them, your problem, and, and by, you know, bear in mind if you read Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, you'll see that Jesus is talking to his disciples here. So he's not talking to the crowd. He's not talking to the unsaved or the unchurched or the whatever they are. What do we call them these days? The pre-alpha people? I don't know what we call them. He's talking to people who are his disciples. And he says to his disciples, Oh, you of little faith. He says to his disciples, What a shame that you haven't got the faith that the birds of the air have got. He says to them, you don't have a worry problem, lads. You have an atheism problem. I eat, you say, well, no, no, I'm not an atheist. I believe in God. Yeah, no, well, I believe in God, but I also know there are plenty of times when I live as though I don't believe in God. Everyone understand? If you look at me and see how worried I am from day to day, you would not believe that I believed that I had a father who was going to feed me and knew where I lived and knew what I needed. Everyone understand? In fact, in the Bible, I won't unpack this for time, but in the Bible, there's no such thing as an atheist. That's a fairly modern uh, invention. In the Bible, the fool who says in his heart there is no God, it doesn't mean he doesn't believe that there's a God. It means, if you read the psalm, it means that he behaves as if there is no God. So let me ask you this. I wonder how many times you and I behave as if there is no God. Or worry, let me use that phrase better, worry as if there is no God. Do you believe the Bible? Every word. Do you believe that God is good? I do. Do you believe he's faithful? Yes. And then suddenly a problem comes. Come on, am I telling the truth? A problem comes and now we work out what I really believe. And what I really believe is I'm absolutely snookered now. It's not going to work. I'm living as if there is no provider in heaven. And not just living. That's how I'm feeling. Jesus said to them, if only you were as born again as these birds over, over here. If only, now please don't ask me afterwards if birds are saved. Um, I can tell you if, you, if you want to know what we teach at Manasseh, some birds are saved. <laughs> but anything else, ask your connect leader. 
your connect leaders will know the answers to those sorts of questions. Don't bother the theologian with that. <laughs> I think I just created a bit of anxiety among the... Uh, have trouble. Ask him today. Say, <laughs> so, look, if you can't tell me if birds are saved, I'm leaving this church. And he'll say, well, goodbye. Listen, Jesus said to them, the birds of the air believe they're going to be fed. They don't, they don't have a business plan. That's what he says. They don't, what does he say? They don't store away in barns. They don't put away for a rainy day. Now, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but what he's saying to them, the birds of the air, they don't think, right, how are we going to make this work, lads? What's my future plans? They live day to day, essentially, don't they? Going around, just finding food. But Jesus says something amazing about birds here. He says to them that the Father is going to feed them. Almost as if the birds of the air know that. Now, of course, it's a metaphor. Uh, I don't know how literal we're supposed to take that. It's a, it's, it's a metaphoric image. The idea is that if only you and I had the same faith that the birds of the air or even the grass of the field had, that it's going to be clothed. And Jesus said, this is here today and gone tomorrow. And so are the birds. So, number one, when it comes to worry, our, our primary problem is normally delay, the gap between hearing about the problem and confronting it. Where we can, we should shorten that. Sometimes you can't, can you? You can't spit, you cannot make a solicitor work quickly. You can't make a plumber come round this side of Christmas. But there are things you can do. Have trouble. Number two, atheism. It, Jesus said, you, don't, you haven't got a worry problem. You've got a theology problem. You don't really believe that God knows where you are. You don't really believe that because you're anxious all the time. So what's the answer to that? What can we do about that? You can't make people believe something they don't really believe. No, but th that, that's a matter for prayer. The first is a matter for action. The second is a matter for prayer. Third one. Ready for number three? Okay. Number three is materialism. The desire to get things. Now here in this first century world, it's a desire for food and clothes. You might think, of course, those are essential needs, and, and they are. And if people genuinely don't have food and clothes, then we should help them. But today... People's main concern, I mean, deep down, now everyone likes a cheeky Nando's. But, but people's main concern is not really food and clothes. But there are other kinds of aspirations. 
Jesus said, is not your life more than aspirations for things? Which I'm calling materialism. Now by that, I'm not, I don't necessarily mean shopping. The desperate need to get the new iPhone. The desperate need to have the best TV or the best car or, you know, whatever. I'm talking about more fundamental aspirations. I need to be something in life. Maybe it's nothing to do with food and clothes, but maybe to be clothed in a certain uh, uh, type of function in this life. I need to be something. I remember my 30th birthday. I know many of you can't believe I've even had it. But my 30th birthday, I sat at a, at a party if you can call it that. I was the gloomiest one there. I'm only grateful they didn't administer to me some sort of birthday party witty hat uh, or badge that I would have had to have worn purely for the photos, which, of course, in those days would have gone to Kodak to be printed several weeks later. That's what it was like in the war. But... Um, But I remember sitting there, my 30th birthday, some friends had come out, not the real, you know, not, not the kind of people I really wanted to be with either. I mean, I'm making this sound grim, but that's, this is what it was like. I didn't really have too many mates. And, and I, I remember the vivid memory of, of, of someone in my youth club handing over a gift and going, oh, this, here it is. It'll be rubbish, but here it is. He said, you won't like it. So I'm thinking, what won't I like? So I'm, over, I'm trying to be witty, and I said, what do you think it is? You know, I said, what is it? The best of spring harvest or something. And I opened it, and it was indeed the best of spring harvest. <laughs> yes, it was. And in fact, funny enough, we were clearing out my office yesterday, and I found it. I still have it. That's true. I found it yesterday. <laughs> 25 years of spring harvest. <laughs> Now, what was wrong at that, at that party? I'll tell you what was wrong. It actually, um, it wasn't the food, and it, it wasn't the gifts, and it wasn't the company. It was the fact that now I was 30, and I thought, yeah, but by, by the time I get to 30, I should have achieved all these, this and this and this, and I should be married, and I should have this amazing job by now, and I should be this. And, and, and Jesus said, he said, he, said, he said, the pagans run after these things. Your job, he said, is you have to go after the kingdom of God. You have to go after righteousness. You don't, you don't go after careers. You don't go after esteem in the world. You don't go after possessions. You don't go after the comforts. You go after the master. You go after the kingdom of God. You seek to not be something in this world, but something in the world to come. And you see, anyone can do that. Anyone can seek the kingdom of God and find it. Anyone can pursue righteousness and find it and attain it. Anyone can decide to live for God, but not everyone in this room can be the next prime minister, or can be the mayor, or can, or, can, or, or can be a millionaire. You don't even know if you're going to be healthy next year. 
So Jesus says to them, you're behaving like the pagans. You're aspiring to run after things. So let me ask you now, let's bring it back to us. How many of the things that you're worrying about are really worth worrying about at all? How many of the things that you're worrying about are things that, forgive the phrase, but you'll know what I mean. How many of the things you worry about are the things that God is worrying about? And the answer will be, not that many. God does not have a breakdown when your Wi-Fi does not work so good. I know about you, but I feel sometimes like I am surrounded by the science fiction of my childhood. I'm doing things that only Mr. Spock could do. And I'm doing it smaller than him. He had to have big things for his ears. Suddenly, you can't send an email. You're flinging your phone. Oh, this is a, this is a third world country. Because iPlayer is buffeting. Am I telling the truth? You think God thinks that we should be worried about this? I don't. I don't. So let's change the word worry because God doesn't worry. Now let's use the word concern or care. How many of the things you care about are the things that the Father cares about? Once you start caring about the things the Father cares about, you will have far few cares in this life. Because if you care about the things the Father cares about, you're going to find them. You're going to have them. And you aspire, oh, I've, I've got to have this and I've got to have that. I've got to have this to impress these people who I don't even like. And now all our lives are all on Facebook, aren't they, all the time. I've got to look like I'm having a fantastic time all the time. Hashtag, living the dream. <laughs> I fell down a manhole today. I've broken my tooth. It has scarred my back. I have lost 5,000 pounds. I've been scammed by him. My car is broken and I've lost my job. Hashtag, Life is good. How can I make my life look more exciting? In the future, people will study this era and think we were all incredibly exciting, happy people. But then they'll see how many people are at the doctor for depression and think something's gone wrong in Great Britain in 2017. So, let me ask you this. Are the things you're worrying about really worth a jot anyway? 
the things that we want to worry about are the things that keep our master happy, our master in heaven. And here's the glorious thing. If you seek first, thing, everything else will be given to you as well. Of course, once you start seeking God, some of those other nonsenses, you won't want them. Everyone happy? So number one, delay. Well, don't delay. Go for it. Try to stop having delay. Don't sit in a waiting room. Get into that um, room where you see the doctor, the surgeon, the dentist, the, the solicitor, the, the person you need to confront, the scenario in your life. If it's within your power, don't have delay. Have trouble in your life. Number two, material, sorry, um, um, atheism, a, a desire to say one believes that God's going to, but not really. And, and my advice to you in that is you need to say, Lord, will you, will you just help me? I, I don't have confidence in you. And I know that's wrong. And please, so I'm going to pray that through. Number three is materialism. Well, this one, uh, this doesn't require action and it doesn't require prayer. It requires repentance. Say, I've been wrong. These choices I've made, they've sucked. I shouldn't be chasing after this and chasing after that. The only way to deal with that kind of worry is say, Lord, I want to repent. I'm chasing after things that really aren't very valuable. And number four, everyone say number four. It's the final one. But we're going to look at another bit of the Bible. Go to Philippians chapter four. As I begin to land the plane. Philippians chapter four. And verse six. Philippians 4 and 6. We'll read a little bit of this just to finish, okay? Paul says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, how many of you would like, just, just let's stop. How many of you might like to admit that occasionally you are in fact anxious about everything? But don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Now look, here's what we do at Bible school. We park on a verse, so we're going to do that now. Just look at this really carefully, what this is. Will God your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, just stop there. Just hang on. Just stop there. Wouldn't it be amazing if the peace of God would this week, starting from now, guard our heart and our mind? Let me simplify that without taking too much away from it, without changing it, but our heart and our mind, how we feel and how we think, right? How we feel and how we think. 
Wouldn't it be great if the peace of God was a God on the inside? Because everything we're talking about today really is all going on invisibly. Would you agree? You can't see any of this. Eventually maybe you do, but it's all pretty much going on on the inside. Wouldn't it be great if on the inside the peace of God was a God and it guarded how we felt and how we thought. So, don't get nervous now, but let me just suggest this to you. And I want you to think about this. I want to ask you this. Why does this not happen? Why does it not happen? I mean, uh, we could have right now, people come and play music. <coughs> excuse me. And... Um, Oh dear, excuse me. I better not cough too much. I'll be given a P45. And um, <laughs> that's one good thing about this. That P is not going to fall off Philippians there. <laughs> Although, as I've said, I can see him in the back working out a way to do it. So look, we could, have, we could have a keyboard time and we could have some music and I could say we're going to pray and you're going to come and everyone who's worried is going to stand and then everyone will stand and, uh, and then everyone will come and we're going to give our problems to the Lord. We're going to cast our burdens onto Jesus because he cares for us and, and we're going to give him our problems and what would happen is the music would play, you'd give him your problems, it would feel real, you'd feel blessed, someone could pray for you or not pray for you, something could happen, you could leave here but... By the time you're back at home, it's all back. Or in many cases, it would be. So I want to answer the question today. Why, why aren't we changing? Why, when we give our problems to the Lord, do we still have them? Why doesn't that kind of altar call really work? And it's so obvious, but it's this. Because unless we change the way we are thinking, we cannot change the way we are feeling. See, what we did is we stopped reading, but we shouldn't have stopped reading because there are no divisions in the, in the Scripture. So now we continue to read. Thank you. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is noble and right and true and pure and lovely and admirable, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the next line, guys, here it comes. Whatever you've learned or received in me, put into practice. And look, and the God of peace will be with you. Here's something it took me nearly all my life to work out. And I'll give it to you for free. What about that? If I want to change the way I'm feeling, I've got to change the way I'm thinking. Because if I don't change the way I'm thinking, I cannot change the way I'm feeling. People come into churches, have celebrations, and in that atmosphere, 
they feel better. But Monday morning, they're thinking the same way they did before. That's why preaching is so important. You can go, listen, forgive me, you can go to a Robbie Williams concert. You can go to the last night of the proms. Wave your flag or whatever. And feel good. Yes? Am I telling the truth? You feel good. But unless you change how you're thinking, that's merely a temporary thing. You feel, oh, I feel, oh, I felt great. Church was great today. And it's, by the way, it's good to feel good in church. I much prefer that to the other thing. But I, but I want to say to you, is, is, is the God of peace guarding how you think and feel? Well, the only way the God of peace is going to do that is when you line up with his word and whatsoever things are lovely, think about that. And whatever is true and noble and if there be anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about that. You say, well, brother, I don't want anyone telling me how to think. Well, good luck to you. Because the Bible tells you how to think. So, well, I, 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 I don't want to be involved with this. Sounds like brainwashing. Oh, that it was. I wish my brain could be washed. Unfortunately, it can't. I have to wash it. And some people are coming into church as if they are driving through the Tesco uh, uh, wash your car thing. A five-minute exercise cost them two seventy-five, and out the other end, thinking, "I got a new car now," because you left your window open. You got a wet back, but but actually, you got to wash your car every day. So it's not just Sunday. I wonder if some of the things you worry about are really the things that you have decided to worry about. Whatsoever things are lovely, that doesn't enter your mind. What enters your mind is, it's all going to go wrong. Now listen, I'm not talking about making things up that aren't true. I'm not saying if someone's ill that we say that they're healed. I'm not saying that if someone is broke, we say that they're rich. Right? If you've been fired from your job, you've been fired. It's no, it's no good going around going, I confess I have not been. You have been. There is no supernatural debt cancellation. Whoever prays over you that, that's fine, but make sure they pay off the guy that you owe the money to. I'm not talking about making things up. I'm not talking about positive thinking. Not all positive thinking is Christian, is it? But all Christian thinking is positive. Why? Because our Father knows what we need before we ask Him. I'll finish with this. What I'm asking you to do today on this fourth point is, is really to go home and start to think better. If people are anxious, if people are worried, if people are stressed, it's something that's going on inside their mind. Now, there may be things to worry about. Maybe we need to confront things, number one. Maybe 
We need to believe that God is going to come through for us, number two. Maybe we shouldn't be worrying about that. Number three, I need to repent of running after aspirations that aren't ours, that aren't ours to have. But number four, probably for all of us, something to do as we leave here today is to say, do you know what? Uh, I need to, sometimes I get very cynical up here. I get very negative up here. And you know you're getting cynical and negative up here when it comes out of here. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it might take a long time to begin to change how we think and bring us into line with the Word of God. A zap encounter with the Holy Ghost does not change overnight, in most cases, how people think. This is the story I want to finish with. A few years ago, I went to preach somewhere, and I wasn't feeling very well. Which I, it was a healing service as well, which is ironic, isn't it? And I thought, well, I better go. Better not put a sign at the door, healing service cancelled due to preacher ill. <laughs> um, I'd already had to close down a prophetic conference that was um, cancelled due to unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> uh, that's an old joke, that one. But no, I was, I was feeling ill. So a friend of mine said, well, well, I'll actually drive you. And so he drove me. Anyway, we had a wonderful night. And actually, there was an amazing miracle that night. It was a little village, and a man's leg was uh, cured. And we actually heard the bones moving as God healed him. It was wonderful. And uh, about a year later, he was still testifying. He even got on the BBC and gave his testimony. So it was a, it was a, it was a wonderful story. Anyway, on the way... The guy who was driving me, he didn't really know the way. And, uh, well, he did know a way, but it didn't exist yet. Uh, I mean, he knew a way on a map, but it would have involved driving through farmland and fields. And as the crow flies, and we weren't a crow, we were a, we were a Nissan Micra, and so uh, we, we weren't going to fly anywhere. I suggested that we go with Monarch Airlines, but he had an idea that we shouldn't wanted to go with EasyJet, but we couldn't afford to bring the Bible. It would have been too heavy for the plane. <laughs> anyway, I'll get off that. I know, I, know you, I know you need to go home. And Anyway, to make a short story even longer, we were, we were <laughs> traveling, and he, um, he didn't know the way. And so uh, when you're traveling down the M11, uh, it's, near, it's near Cambridge, between Cambridge and London, there's a certain place, you'll be, you'll be familiar with this, where... Uh, if you don't get off at this junction, that's it. You're, you know, you're stuck for a long time. There's no escape. And it was one of those where we had to drive, you know, 20 minutes at 70 miles an hour in the wrong direction. Well, eventually we got off at Stansted Airport and started going back up north, up towards where we needed to be. But, but uh, here's the thing, and you, you will appreciate this. Once you're back on the right side of the M11, okay, hip, hip, hooray. But you're not back where you went wrong. You're just now going back in the right direction. If you're going to think correctly, if you're going to stop having negativity, stop having a cynical outlook and stop being sort of, a, sort of a pessimist, which creates so much fear and anxiety, you might feel that life has given you good reason to feel like that. But, and you might be right, but none of that's doing you any favors. Negativity is not your friend, ever. Wisdom's your friend, 
but not negativity, ever. Some people live with negativity. They love negativity. They could go and have a drink with negativity every night, thinking it's their best friend. It's not. It's not. And so today, as I challenge you, maybe you feel a bit... Ne- I'm telling you now, if, if that's you, you can get off the road today, but it's maybe take you a long time going back in the right direction before you start to get this right. And you might need to wash your brain each day, not take it through Tesco or Morrison's every couple of weeks for a few quid. I think that could be the source of much anxiety for us. You say, Lord, I want the peace that passeth all understanding as long as I can understand everything. And I hope you realize that does not work. When you want the peace that goes beyond understanding, that's because you just arrived in a place called I am beyond understanding. But there is a God who can put a guard about how we feel, how we think. So let me encourage you today. Everyone worries. But it's a serious problem. I want to encourage you, number one, to deal with things. Some of you already know, you've been listening to me thinking, yeah, I need to stop all this delay stuff. Number two, you might need to examine your faith and say, Lord, will you help me? I'm not really, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I believe in the resurrection, I believe I'm going to go to heaven, but I don't really believe that you can sell my house. Lord, why has my house not sold? I'll I'll give you a prophecy right now, because no one has bought it yet. (laughs) All right, you happy? That amazing word got there. Number three, check your aspirations. Are the things that you're going after really what God wants? If God doesn't want you to have them, you don't want them. Here's the scary bit. You might even get them. It's not going to make you happy. How many celebrities do you know are in rehab right now? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And number four, very simple. Why don't you get brainwashed? Why don't you start to think better? And maybe with a combination of two or three or four of these, a whole lot of anxiety will begin to ease in our lives. Hallelujah. Everyone happy with that?